listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 71 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where I come to inform you that Maryland might actually be really good at basketball or that the rest of the 10 is decidedly mediocre at basketball. That's what we're going to try to find out on this show. I think that makes sense. Two people joining us. First of all, Ryan is here. We haven't recorded in a while, but uh, I think the paradigm has changed with basketball since the last time we recorded this show, hasn't it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, this Maryland team was something we could never... It was always like, well, we'd have to wait till conference play to really figure out what in the hell this team was because the competition wasn't very good, but and man was playing a bunch of close games. So I, it wouldn't have been outrageous to think that, you know, Maryland was going to be in for a bit of a reckoning once the once conference play started. And in their five games, they've looked r- pretty good. Like I think better than a lot of us probably expected them to. And uh, Matt wrote a you know, great thing about how they're, you know, Maryland's kind of overachieving and all of a sudden they're in the Big Ten. They're in, like, the top spot in the Big Ten, and this is so shocking. And, yeah, I mean, I think he, he can probably tell you that. Yes. Pretty, so that pretty well, much sums well, up he's all here. The- he's here. And, by the way, the reckoning already happened. We talked about that on the last show. But Matt Ellentuck wasn't here for that, uh, thankfully. He was in some sunny location that is not to be identified. We were all in sunny locations that aren't to be identified recently, which is why we haven't recorded in a while. But Matt also has very good news uh, regarding himself that I think if you haven't heard it, Matt, you could say it now. Oh, true. Well, thanks for the spotlight. But uh, I'm taking an internship with Sporting News, so I'm heading down to North Carolina where I'll be living for the next few months. But I'll still be covering Maryland basketball, just I won't be at the games. You'll be doing what Ryan and I have perfected over the years, couch journalism. For sure. It's a lot of fun. So I'm going to start with you because the way you watched the Terps games, uh, I think it was Illinois, Nebraska, and Michigan, when you were away, is you taped them, you cut yourself off from any form of media, and then you watch them on delay plus the last two games. So I want to get your opinion first on what we have seen in conference play since your opinion is relatively fresh. And then I want to get into what you talked about with overachieving because that's something I think we have to get into. But first, your thoughts on the first five games for the Terps in conference play because I think we've seen a little bit of everything from them in these five games. Yeah. Um, I mean, Maryland getting off to a 4-1 and one start in conference play is definitely surprising, um, even though their schedule may not have been that tough, but still... You know, went against Indiana at home and and went against Michigan on the road are both, you know, those those are both pretty impressive feats for a team we thought would kind of be scraping across the middle of the conference. Uh, I don't know. I guess we saw a mix of things, right? Like Michigan, everything looked great. Indiana, like things looked pretty good. And then you get the late collapse with Nebraska. So and then against Illinois, they boat raced a team which they haven't really done all year. Right, and that too. So we've seen, I guess, a little bit of everything that kind of has shown that Maryland is is kind of, you know, they might be leaving the Big Ten, but they're probably in reality are still in that upper middle tier area, and that kind of reflects why they beat Illinois so handily and why they might have 
you know, also then struggle against a Nebraska team, which is actually better than his record. But um, mm-hmm. I don't really know. I don't really exactly know what to say. I mean, Maryland has Maryland sixteen and two, which is pretty unreal considering you know all the freshman talent and the amount of departures from last year's starting lineup and things like that. Then you also balance that a little bit with the fact that they haven't played the toughest of schedules so far, so maybe that's why they're off to a good start. And then you maybe think about it a little more, and you're like, well, a lot of those games were close wins that maybe should have even been losses. Like, obviously, we're going to think about Georgetown all year. Is that like that? That was by all accounts a loss until um, the final, you know, minute or so. And Maryland did that, you know, quite a few times in non-conference play. So it's weird. I think Maryland's record, obviously, listen, winning games, there, there's something to it. And Mark Turgeon, who gets crap all the time, you know, really shouldn't at this point because he's winning games with a team that honestly there's not there's there's talent that's coming, but it's there's no real talent there that's all the way there right now besides Melo Trimble. And even with all the injuries, you know, with with Dodd and Checo missing a ton of time, I mean he's played a ton of games without centers and, and he's still winning. So, you know, there's something to be said about that too. Uh, Maryland is Maryland looks great right now. Obviously, you know, losses are to come, but for right now, you know, things things are better than anyone could have probably hoped 18 games through the season. I want to get to your point about are they overachieving or or what how we should kind of frame where they are right now because they are 16 and 2 and they are ranked, although it is 20, they are ranked 25th in the country. I don't it feels like saying overachieving is being harsh to them, but in many ways like saying they're really good is kind of being too good to them you know they're in that weird middle because a lot of that is because the Big Ten is decidedly mediocre this year uh pretty much everybody except Wisconsin has a conference loss at this point and everybody in conference play has looked poor at some point so are they overachieving I don't know if I could really say that because they have moments like they did against Illinois two times where you know, they right. blew them out the first time, and then in the second time they played really badly for a while, and then turned on the Jets and beat them off. Well, listen, I, the I, game. listen, I, I, yeah, I thought about the word too, and I think overachieving, you know, kind of fits because, uh, I mean, based on, you know, when you look at Ken Palm numbers, Maryland's barely a top fifty team. I think they're number forty eight, and obviously, a sixteen and two record makes you know makes people think that they're way better than they probably actually are, even though. I think Ken Palm puts them at six or seven in the Big Ten or something like that. Um, so overachieving in the sense that, well, they've pulled out a ton of games that maybe they shouldn't have um, in that kind of sense. And before the season started, I mean, nobody, I don't think anybody would have Maryland winning 16 games midway through January. So they're definitely overachieving in the sense that, well, they're racking up wins that maybe they shouldn't have. And uh, the freshman talent obviously has overachieved because we set a pretty, you know, medium bar I guess for a bunch of four-star recruits who you know weren't huge names but we're all you know top 100 guys but you know they're playing closer to that five-star level status it's true but I think one more point with you and then we'll get to Ryan I think the one point that is decidedly important for me at least watching all of these games is that Maryland isn't winning games in the same way you know what I mean last year they kind of won games in very similar ways the certain players had big performances every single night, aside from a couple of outliers. With conference play, it's been different types of wins with different types of performances each night, which is why yep. I'm thinking saying overachieving is a bit harsh. Because, I mean, 
the, the collapse against Nebraska was inexcusable, but since then they've been really good. So if you almost if you exclude that last five minutes, they could be 17 and one and five and0. But you know what I, you understand what I mean when I say like they've won sure four I mean they, games they, in four different ways, which they is could the just sign as, of a good they, team. They could just as easily be you know 11 and seven or, or whatever based on the close wins in the early part of the season too. But I don't. I don't yeah. think we should judge them now based on those games. While they are on their resume, and they, you can't take those away. Sure. What I'm saying is, you, I'm judging them now based on how they've won their four games and the fact that they've won them in sort of four different ways. And yeah, I mean, that's, performers that's, stepping up at every single game. You know, you have the, your constants, but yeah. that's what defines this. At least for well, they me, don't, they don't point. have many. They don't have many constants, which is why you know this is it's more of a, a very unpredictable, loose team because, yeah, last year we knew, you know, Mello, we, di- we didn't know Mello was going to be the top scorer, though. I mean, we, we had the every night we're like, okay, it's going to be Mello, Rob, and Diamond are going to dominate the scoring, and Rashid's going to dominate the passing game, and it was sort of defined, and everyone had those type of roles. But here, Mark Turgeon's kind of thrown out a bunch of guys who haven't really played before, and it's like, I don't really know what your, you know, what your defining role is, so show it to me. And that's basically what it's kind of been. And we've seen Anthony Cowan play the role of everything, and Kevin Herter sometimes play the role of a scorer, sometimes play the role of a really good passer. Justin Jackson could be the biggest rebounder one night. I mean, it's been totally different because everyone's kind of loose and, and free, and it's sort of more of a let's see what we got. And, and obviously Mark Turner's been doing that, as we've seen Deion Wiley get cut from the rotation entirely, you know, if, if – who would have thought no that one's... was happening uh, in December? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really understand the reason for it, but as you can see with Turgeon, it's kind of like he's he's freely playing whoever's playing well, and if you're not playing well, he doesn't necessarily have to play you. So, you know, that, that's sort of how it's gone. Ryan, what do you make of all of this? Because there's the, big, there's the angle in the Big Ten, which is that Maryland is right now high up there because everybody else is not playing very well. You know, teams that we expected to do well have all have blemishes. Uh, you could go with the angle of Maryland has won a lot of close games, and therefore maybe they aren't as good as they seem. Or you could go with what I tend to think is happening, which is they are actually better than a lot of us thought they'd be, though how good they are, we still don't know that yet. Where do you fall in all of this? Because I think the answer is probably somewhere in the middle, but it depends on how you come at the question probably will decide where you end up falling on it yeah I mean in a way it's still you know they're they're only five games into their conference schedule and I think you know we'll still find out a little bit more when I mean this team doesn't have particularly many road challenges I mean you look at Wisconsin I guess that's the biggest one yeah and that's and that's still not for another month um and I think that'll probably be a big, if not the biggest measuring stick we can have for this team uh, right now. But, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily have much to add to what Matt said. I think, um, you know, I don't know. The storylines are pretty much the same as we've been talking about all season. Like, the team isn't necessarily playing that differently, I think, than they were, you know, when they were winning against the uh you know lower ranked out out of conference teams i mean we're seeing like matt said we're seeing a little bit uh you know if someone's not playing very well then you know Turner's not necessarily going to play them as much um i think it'll be interesting when we get uh you know if and when we 
get finally all of the big men healthy, um, see how that changes the team. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think pretty much what Matt said is right on the money. Mm-hmm. So Matt, I want to get into some of these. We're not going to go into all the games in depth, but I want to talk about each of them sort of individually and quickly because my distinct memories of all of them go back to my point of saying they're five different games and they were distinctly five different games, not very similar games as, I guess, a Maryland team of last year. I mean, that's our best comparison at this point. You know, they played very similar games from night in, uh, night out. Obviously different in this case. The Illinois game, the first one, was amazing to me because they had no centers and they looked as good as they looked in years, on offense at least. They were winning huge early and they just destroyed a, I mean, Illinois is a decent team. They're not great, but they're also not horrible. And that was without any big men. I would have never expected that. And then the next game against Nebraska, Kevin Herter scores 26. And he goes suddenly goes red hot from three. I mean, they lose, but I, again, didn't expect to see that. And at Michigan, which was a game I was kind of worried about because they hadn't played a true road game yet, they played one of their most consistent games all season. And everybody was contributing, including a career high in points for DeMonte Dodd. So that, I think, as I said before, is the way I'm looking at this team, which is five games and five completely different performances. So from all of those things, what stands out the most to you from these games? What's the biggest trend that you've noticed? Oh, well, for me, that's pretty easy. I think I think it's something we kind of, of all knew would, would happen. Um, I mean, Maryland's offense has always been the question mark. I mean, Mark Turgeon has had good defenses as long as he's been here. And, you know, it's no different this year. Maryland's defense far outplays its offense. But, again, as you mentioned, with the first Illinois game, Maryland plays without a center, and they have one of their best games of the year. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that Mark Turgeon was forced this time to go really small, even though, you know, it's against his philosophy, really. But uh, Maryland plays its best offense when it goes small because Maryland has, I mean, some of the best guards in the conference, uh, obviously with Melo, and now we've learned with Anthony Cowan. Um, and there's a ton of teams, I'm sure, that would want to start Kevin Herter. Um, Maryland has a ton of really good guard play, and, and their strengths are all on offense. And we even saw it in stretches with uh, this past Illinois game. Um, same thing happened. Marturgeon plays Trimble, Cowan, and Brantley goes super small, and Maryland goes on a nice second-half run and, and pulls away. It's uh, it's a matter of getting Turgeon you know, out of the big man mindset that he had last year. He he really liked stacking you know, Diamond with DeMonte or Diamond with Checo last year, and that really slowed down the offense. And I think that if Maryland can play longer stretches with more guards, they're going to be better off at least on the offensive end. Maybe they haven't proved that on the defensive end yet, but uh, a game like Illinois was, you know, kind of kind of proved that. And even, you know, with Checo out, uh, Turgeon has, has had to go smaller as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens when Checo does come back and mm-hmm. if Turgeon does try to, you know, stack double bigs and stuff like that. But if Mar- if Maryland can keep its guards on the floor, it's really hard to defend them. I don't really know how, how many teams have guys that can go out and defend Jalen Brantley, Anthony Cowan, and Mel Trimble when they're attacking the rim. Isn't it amazing to think that last year Maryland didn't have enough guards and this year Maryland arguably has too many? It's yeah, kind I mean, it's, of it's, funny it's... how this changes from one year to the next and why we have two entirely different teams. Personnel obviously plays a role in that, but you know, I do I, always wonder I do always wonder though, you know, how much of Jalen Brantley did we just not get to see because he didn't get enough time on the court? Um, was it a drastic increase in 
you know, in his performance from last year to this year, or did he just not get enough minutes last year, which, you know, is a question mark, but I tend to think that maybe with more time with Jalen on the floor, maybe we would have seen better production last year. I also find it funny, and Ryan, you can jump in on this too, is we mentioned earlier, did you ever think Deion Wiley was going to be out of the rotation? I didn't. And then did you ever think you were going to see Jared Nick and start hitting threes again? Because there was for a time when he couldn't hit anything, and he was the guy out of the rotation. And now he's suddenly hitting threes, and he's back in. This is what I, why I'm saying it. Like Against Illinois, Justin Jackson was almost invisible, didn't do anything on the offensive end. He was good defensively, but... You know, in other games, if Maryland didn't have that performance from Justin Jackson, they probably lose. Like, I think that's why this this team, it's an enigma, but it's a good enigma, because every other game, something new comes up, and that's what makes it a lot more fun, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, the Dion not playing for a couple games was surprising. Then Turgeon came out and said he had an injury, um, and the whole explanation there was odd. And weird, but um, and would so I, I imagine we'll find out more about Dion soon. I think, um, and with, I mean, with Nickens, I think it was he had to at least have one game where he hit a couple shots. I mean, he, his whole thing when he came here was he's a shooter, and I think even if you even if he doesn't regain that hot hand at all this season, I think he was at least due for a game where he where he finally shot well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think that definitely makes it all fun. It was fun last year, you know, watching this team when, you know, one night, one night it might be Lehman, one night it might be Suleiman, one night it might be Trimble and you never know who's going to be. And then this year when you come along and you kind of, you figured on most nights, Trimble's probably going to get you, you know, maybe, maybe as many as 20 points, maybe a little more, a little bit more, but you know, you that second option could, you know, be anyone necessarily. I think it's, I think it's been Justin Jackson more often than not. But uh, as as we've seen, it can be Herder, it can be Cowan, it can be Herder, Cowan, and Jackson. It can sometimes be Demonte Dodd. And yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely exciting. It's it's exciting. It's weird. And Matt, because the Big Ten is kind of mediocre, it has meant that Maryland is at the moment on top of the conference for the time being. Wisconsin has one loss. I thought they, they did lose at Purdue, which I'd completely forgotten about. And they've played one fewer game than Maryland has in conference play because the way the Big Ten does these schedules is bizarre. But where you look at this team in relation to everybody else, I still don't think they're better than, say, Purdue or Wisconsin, but they're right there with Michigan State. It turns out Indiana's a lot worse than a lot of us thought. Michigan has decided some issues. You know, a lot of these teams that we thought were essentially Maryland's competition are turning out to be not as much their competition. So it's allowed Maryland to work out some of their kinks. But because they could pull heroics in close games, they're turning out to win a lot of them. And I don't think it's inflating their record as much as other teams in the past for Maryland have had inflated records. But with this team... Do you think their standing in the Big Ten has changed because they've sort of risen up a little bit while everybody else has been knocked down a peg? Um, what exactly are you asking? I think it's, it's where is Maryland in the conference compared to where we thought they'd be at the start of the season considering oh. some teams are yeah. not as good as we thought 
And Maryland is one of the few teams, I think, that's sort of overachieved. There haven't been many overachievers in the Big Ten this year, but there have been plenty of underachievers is essentially what I'm saying. Sure, sure. I mean, I still think Maryland's going to sit, you know, when this is all all done in March, I think Maryland's going to sit about where we thought they would um, in that sort of upper middle tier mark. Um, again, because Maryland has won so many of the close games, it kind of you know sways what their record is. And Maryland hasn't played the tough opponents really in the in the in conference play yet, besides Indiana. But yeah, I mean, I still think the the teams besides Michigan State, which again, yeah, I mean, they lost Miles Bridges for a little bit, and and they honestly weren't even particularly good when they did have him. Um, Michigan State probably drops below where we thought they would, but I think everyone else. I mean, Wisconsin's going to going to run through conference play. Purdue is going to be similar. Um, I would assume Indiana regains. Uh, to where we thought that they they would be. For Will? Uh, I still think. I, I uh, don't know about that. They were close with Maryland, but they haven't been that great, let's be honest. Sure, they haven't, but um, I would still expect them at least to finish, you know, maybe better or, or around where Maryland would. I, I still think Maryland's, again, upper middle uh, sort of finish, maybe in that four to six, you know, final spot. Uh, yeah, that, that's that's what I think, at least. I, I don't disagree with you. I'm not saying that they're going to win the conference, but I think where they are relative to everybody else has changed. That position and that, you know, the perception of that position has, has definitely changed. Uh, Ryan, what do you think on this? Yeah, I mean, um, I think it'll be very, like, again, I th- it's, it's weird for me to say I originally thought small sample size, and it's like, well, you know, they've played, they have 13 conference games, they have 13 conference games left, they've played five so far, and I, I, I don't really know what the validity of the sample size is, and as Matt said, Indiana's the, you know, the only real upper echelon, you know, conference team that Maryland's played yet, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they'll probably, I think they're, you know, where we thought they were going to end up sort of varies because, you know, I think we were in agreement that Maryland at the beginning of the season, I guess I never really thought about their placement in the Big Ten, but I think we all figured they'd be a fringe tournament team, right? They're not really a fringe tournament team anymore. Right, right. That's where I was getting. Um, And I think the biggest thing now is that they've played themselves into, I, I mean, I figure, you know, they'd have to, take a real unexpected turn to, you know, all of a sudden not be in the tournament. Um, with with that said, you know, Maryland's going to lose a couple games. That's that's going to happen. I imagine that's a thing that, you know, I don't know how many fans have thought about it. But, you know, they're 5-1, and one, which is good. They're going to lose games because that's just what happens. That's true. I think the difference is for a lot of us, they went from fringe tournament team to, oh, they could be a six or a seven seed now, maybe. Mm-hmm. That, that's the thing, at least from their more global position. That's where I think they are at, at this point. So let's get on to Iowa because this is an interesting game, Matt, for me. Uh, it's the second in a row on the road, and Maryland, despite the fact that they've won their first two true road games, 
still a bit of an iffy road team. It was weird how Dan Dockage or either Dave Fleming or Dan Dockage on Saturday was saying Maryland's a good road team, and I'm sitting here thinking, no, they're not. They're usually a bad road team. It's just that for these two games, for Michigan and Illinois, they actually turned out to play pretty decently. Um, Iowa has had some interesting games this year where they have gone from beating Purdue at home to losing to Northwestern on the road by 35. I have no idea what any of that means in relation to Maryland, but this is that kind of game like I thought Michigan was a great litmus test because they hadn't played a road game yet, and they passed it with flying colors. And now we're at that sort of next litmus test where this is your second consecutive road game. You're ranked now. There's a somewhat of a bigger target on your back. And Maryland's only other game at Carver-Hawkeye Arena was a disaster. That was two years ago, but it was a similar team. So what do you make of this game in particular with this team? Because this is the exact kind of game I can picture Maryland losing. Yeah, well, luckily Jared Utoff doesn't exist anymore. Jared so. Utoff does not exist anymore, and that is good. This is correct. Uh, but Peter Jock does exist, and I'm worried about him. But Yeah, I mean, listen, from what I haven't watched too much of Iowa, Iowa um, so far this season, but obviously we know Peter Jock is good from last year, and from what I can tell from his numbers this year, it, I mean, he's got even better, and he's shooting 40% from three, and seems to be really Iowa's only you know true scoring option. Um, Iowa's playing a ton of freshmen, which means... Basically, you know, they're in a similar situation to Maryland in that in that regard where you don't really know what you're getting every night because, you know, they're, they're fresh faces. But, yeah, I mean, Iowa's been weird. Like you said, they, they beat Purdue and then get smacked by Northwestern. They lose to Nebraska, Omaha. I mean, um, you know, and any road game in conference play is going to be difficult, but I don't really th- see this game, you know, bar, uh, meaning too much in the long run, and, and Maryland's obviously expected to win this one, so... Um, I don't know. It's let's see if, if first of all, uh, if Tchaikovsky can play because we haven't. I think we've seen two games all year where Maryland's had every player healthy, so we haven't really seen a full lineup. So let's see if Tchaikovsky comes back and and see if Maryland can pull out another one on the road. I think for me, maybe because I do think Maryland is a pretty poor, has been a pretty poor road team in the last couple of years. Ryan, I put more emphasis on road games and. Since afterwards, their next two games are Rutgers, who has now fallen back down to earth substantially, and Minnesota, who is a lot of fool's gold, and both of those games are at home. You put somewhat less significance in those games as opposed to, I think, this one. And I always think road games are way more important in telling where your team is as opposed to the home games. So do you think that this could be indicative of something about this team going forward, or is it you're going on the road against a mediocre team in the Big Ten. This is the kind of game Maryland should win, but I wouldn't be shocked if they lost. Uh, okay, wait. So what, what's the question here? <laughs> I'm in a rambling mood, I guess. Does this game mean more than I'm putting on it because I think these road games are always more important than comparable home games because Maryland hasn't been the best road team in the past, and it's the second of back-to-back on the road, which is always pretty difficult. Um, I think, you know, back-to-back road games for a, uh, you know, for a young team like this is, is interest is, you know, probably a learning experience, but you know, they get, they get, you know, the games are five days apart. Um, and I think it's more, it's still with this team, every game is sort of just giving you more data to figure out really what this team is because, 
we in some ways still don't really know. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think the, the back-to-back road games is, you know, not, not something I particularly put, would put that much stock or worry into. And if, if Maryland loses, you know, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't think it's because uh, they're playing back-to-back road games. Oh, I don't think that's the case either. I think that, though, this is the kind of game that you'd expect a team like Maryland to maybe slip up in. Why I put it on the I wouldn't be shocked if they lost category, if you understand, right? Yeah, I mean, well, like, you know, most, most I think, with Maryland, most conference games, you still wouldn't necessarily be that shocked if they lost. Except you know, Rutgers. Ru- except sure, Rutgers. Rutgers, you would be, everyone would be horribly horribly shocked rightfully but yes i don't think it, it happened put the qualifier on them anymore yeah so i think going ahead we'll probably we might have another show before they do play rutgers which is next wednesday or maybe not so you know we'll, we'll see where they are i could easily see them going one and one i could also easily see them going two and oh and by this time next week if they're well this time in a couple of days next week if they're 18-2, and two, I wonder how the narrative about this team changes. If they do win their next two games and suddenly there are more eyeballs looking at them as opposed to now where they're like, oh, they're ranked 25th, they've got a good record, but let's see how they do. So I think that's our, our next question for Maryland basketball. It's exciting times, though. I mean, Matt, in, in general, this team is, I think, ways better and maybe more ahead of schedule than we thought they were. Maybe that's the phrase we should use when summing up this season, it turns out that they're ahead of schedule. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I I don't think that anybody thought they'd be playing like this. I don't think ever, though. Uh, and that's kind of why I went back to that overachieving, you know, word. Just because, again, it, it, we keep talking about the freshmen, but that's really all there is to talk about. I mean, yeah, true. The three the three of them are playing at levels that we didn't think either of the three of them would be playing at at any point this season. That's um, true. That's true. I think I think that's you know, a pretty fair assumption. I mean, Justin Jackson's probably going to get NBA looks, you know, regardless if he goes or not, but he's kind of trending towards that direction where maybe he tries, um, you know, tries his chances in the combine, you know, at the end of the year, because he's just shown that he's that versatile and he's, he's that big and he can do more things than we thought. And Anthony Cowan is already a name that's, you know, starting to spread across the country just because of his play and, and, you know, his playing next to Mel Trimble. And now Kevin Herter's finally hitting shots that he didn't hit at the beginning of the season. And we're seeing, you know, the full lengths of what he can do because mm-hmm. he's been defending really well and he's been passing really well all year. And now when you add the three-point shot on top of it, I mean, the three of them are just, they've just been so, so, so good. Yep. I think the last thing we should say on that is, though, we haven't talked about Mark Turgeon yet all that much. We've talked about him in, in brief moments in this grander discussion, but there really shouldn't be any criticism overall of his coaching because this is probably his best coaching job by far and away. And he's been, I mean, you have to give it, we criticized him a lot last year for decisions that he made. Some people criticize him more than that, but I think this has been an amazing coaching job by him. And to be anywhere near where they are with all of the freshmen and the transition from last year to this, it's still an incredibly impressive coaching job wherever they end up finishing. Yeah. I mean, he, he's just done, he's done an incredible job, obviously with this team and especially, especially in recruiting, I don't think any anybody realizes how difficult of a recruiting job Mark Turgeon had for this season, just with so many pieces that nobody knew if they were leaving or not until the very end. I mean, even with Melo Trimble, we didn't really fully know. So 
for him to be able to convince guys of this talent and first of all pluck them away and, and find a guy like Justin Jackson so late like he did and have a have a hold on Anthony Cowan before anybody really knew how good Anthony Cowan was and Kevin Herter was a guy that you know Notre Dame really wanted and and he was able to bring in, in that talent as, as well it, uh, he's been you know he's been tremendous and obviously a lot of people talked about his maybe premature contract extension where Turgeon will be here for for quite a while but I think he's really earned it, and he's put Maryland on the map. And, you know, it, Maryland being a ranked team isn't a shocking thing at this point. And, uh, you know, he's been very impressive. Yeah, it's not premature anymore, that contract. It seems like a very good preemptive move. It it, it very much does. <laughs> not like I think he would ever really want to leave, because it is Maryland does still have name cachet as, in this sport as opposed to football, but... It, it, was, it looks like a really good move by Kevin Anderson, who has had some trouble with good moves in the past. Speaking of the other sport, Ryan, there are some quick-hitting uh, football bits and pieces that we need to talk about before uh, we end the show. The first of which is they had a decommitment. Oh, no, but unlike other times when Maryland's had decommitments, the sky isn't falling. Isn't this wonderful? Yeah, and I think the important thing to remember um, with decommitments is they happen to every every single team gets decommitments um and this is around the time that a lot of them will happen because uh you know you decommit now and you have a couple weeks to get all your ducks in a row but um yeah so the recruiter decommitted was daz newsom who is a virginia recruit who um i believe the situation is you know, he had a couple of members of his family played for Virginia Tech. So that was always going to be a hard uh, a hard thing to keep him away from was, you know, going back to Virginia Tech. And uh, I think Virginia Tech and North Carolina are the two big uh, teams for him now. Um, you know, obviously, I have no, you know, insider information on it. But, it you know, with any decommitment, it would seem – pretty unlikely that he would end up back at Maryland. Uh, there's always didn't, I think wasn't the thing that Yannick Ngakwe decommitted and then recommitted, but uh, that's, that's about one of the only ones I've ever heard of, you know, decommitting from a team and starting up there. Um, but the good news is Maryland has what, 28 other players left in yep. their class. And uh, I think the way they move on here. The, uh, they're already after uh, cornerback uh, Tariq Castro-Fields from Upper Marlboro, Maryland. And he, um, you know, Newsom was, he was an athlete, but uh, probably a defensive back. And so uh, Castro-Fields would, was, I mean, was being recruited independently of him um, and is a higher rated recruit. But mm -hmm. uh, the, in terms of a corner slash safety um, the other guy they're going after is Natron Culpepper from Florida. Um, in a recent interview with Land of Ten, he said that Maryland was his favorite, but there's obviously still time for that to change. Um, but I imagine that's a guy they will be targeting pretty heavily. Natron Culpepper. Combination of Dante Culpepper and Natron means for you old school <laughs> NFL fans out there. Uh <laughs> Yes, but it's kind of nice to see people not freaking out over Maryland's getting a decommitment. Mm -hmm. And it's also kind of interesting to see that it's a decommitment, but it's not a five, like a big name decommitment like we had last year. So I don't think anybody's right. and it almost kind of yeah. it went under the radar, so to speak, like it went in and it went out. 
almost a little like vapor-ish. A couple of other yeah. small bits of, of news uh, that we didn't get to because we haven't had a podcast recently. Uh, Lorenzo Harrison and DJ Turner, who were suspended for a large portion of last season, they were cleared of criminal charges, so they'll be back next season, and that's always good. A, that they're out of legal trouble, and B, less significantly so, but of course, in many people's minds, this is a big deal. They will be back next year and are eligible for the game against Texas, which is fantastic, so that's number one. And then number two, in case you're interested, with games, football games being played five and uh, six and seven years from now, in fact, Maryland is going to play Virginia in out-of-conference play, which is still weird to say. <laughs> but that's in 2023 and 2024. So uh, load up for then, I guess. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, let me see. Was there? That's that's pretty much uh, – those are – those are those all are the, the things. Big, those, are the biggie, those are the biggies. Oh, how about, and how about Maryland women's basketball yes. still tearing through the conference? Yes. Well, yes. They're still dominating pretty much everybody that isn't UConn. Destiny yeah. Slocum is real. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brianna, Brianna Jones just won uh, ESPN's Play of the Week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not into That team is amazing. Wasn't there ama- something amazing that Destiny Slocum said or after a game recently that I forget? I'm trying to remember what it was, but... I don't have the time to guess to look it up, but I just keep replaying her, just crossing that girl up. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's pretty fun. And I, you know, she's got her range is insane. We're, and we're we're all we're all guilty of you know not watching enough. But she, I mean, in the UConn game when she just kept hitting the three pointers, like they were down and they were down by about you know they're down by double digits, and the game was you know the game was out of reach, and she just kept going it was and suddenly it's not out of reach anymore yeah and it was i mean she's going to be a really exciting player to watch for the next three years and yeah definitely someone who you know anyone who follows maryland basketball is going to have to know yeah i mean think about they have one loss there i believe it's <laughs> one loss one loss to probably the best sports franchise ever yeah yeah, that that'll 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 definitely. Well, I wouldn't go with be, I wouldn't go with best sports franchise ever. Maybe best American sports yeah, American yeah. sports franchise ever because I'm in a soccer mode and therefore I'm biased. But yeah, I mean, UConn just won their 91st game in a the row. Team, the team that has won 91 games in a row with sev- that spans across several different seasons. So yeah, this is, this is true. But I still think of a sport. It doesn't matter. This is not a discussion we have to have here. It's a discussion we could have at another time. But yes, I understand completely what you're saying. Uh, I don't think they're losing again, UConn, for a while. So hey, Mar- Maryland gave them a good run for their money. So I don't think both. That was close. I hope yeah, that, it was I hope an exciting they, game. I hope they play again in March. Uh, yeah. I'd like to see it. I'd love to see it. We should all. Where is the Where is the national title this year for for uh, the women? Dallas. Dallas. I think we're all going to Dallas then. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll take a trip. I would do that. That sounds like a lot of fun. We'll yeah, see. Be, hey, I mean Maryland. The men aren't likely making it to the final four, but if the women are, let's do it. That'll be a ton of fun. Considering last year's season ended quite unceremoniously. True. Regardless of that. Uh, it was good to podcast again because it had been like 12 or 13 days since we last did it. Uh, it's great to have Matt back. And again, congratulations on your job and congratulations on entering the great force that is couch journalism. Thanks. It'll be, it'll be, you'll, you'll still be around. You'll still be on the podcast. You might see a little bit less on the site from time to time, but he'll still, but you'll still be around. 
uh, which is oh, obviously dude. good. And Ryan is going to hold down the fort in College Park because he hasn't yet graduated. Oh, yeah. He will definitely do that. Uh, keep your eyes out. Um, hopefully we'll do something next week. Maybe there will be more uh, recruiting news to talk about then. We are 15 days away from National Signing Day, so the race is almost run. Yeah, next, next week will be a big one. Uh, Castro Fields is announcing on Monday, yep. and uh, Anthony McFarland just said on Twitter that he is announcing on Wednesday. So, so we're going to have ready. a lot going on with, with recruiting soon. So keep your yes. eyes peeled for that. And it'll kind of help us because in basketball senses, it's a very light week. I mean, Rutgers, they play on Wednesday, and then they play Minnesota, I believe. What is it? No, they play Rutgers a week from today, and then they play Minnesota on Saturday. So sort of a light week, but we'll have crouton stuff to get you through that time. Uh, but until then, go Terps.